Hi, and welcome to the ILO's Global Business Network on Forced Labour podcast. We are the Global Business Network, bringing together businesses of all sizes and sectors and their representative organizations from around the globe to end forced labour. I am Mariska van der Linde, a consultant working with the network. As we saw in previous podcast episodes, forced labour does not occur in isolation. In fact, it often takes place alongside other abuses and crimes. This latest episode delves further into fisheries crimes. More specifically, we will explore how labour abuses such as forced labour and environmental degradation can be addressed at the same time, why this is important for businesses and what useful resources for the private sector are out there. We will focus on Namibia, which is a pioneer country when it comes to addressing forced labour and fishing. The ocean protection agenda is just starting out to include the very interconnected issues of labour rights and illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing, and Namibia is leading the way. Fishing is one of Namibia's top industries. The country exports more than 90% of its total unprocessed and manufactured fish products. The European Union, or EU, is one of Namibia's most important markets. And Namibia is one of the biggest African fish exporters to the EU. This means that the forthcoming EU regulation that prohibits products made with forced labor from entering the EU market is highly relevant to Namibia's fishing sector. The fishing industry is also of strategic importance to the government of Namibia, as it represents 4.5% of Namibia's gross domestic product and employs more than 18,000 people on both fishing vessels and in land-based factories. There have been some reports of illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing, as well as child trafficking and forced labour, on some vessels using Namibian ports. For instance, in 2022, the Namibian government intercepted two foreign-owned vessels in Namibian waters that were dumping fish. The 60 fishes on the vessels were found to be living and working in dire conditions, and some were thought to be in situations of forced labour. To tackle this type of situation and drive decent work and responsible business conduct more widely, the ILO and the European Commission launched an initiative in 2021 called the Supply Chains for a Sustainable Future of Work Project Linked to Fisheries in Namibia. This project has improved government coordination in the fishing sectors and has led to, for example, a standardized employment contract for fishers and much more. In this podcast episode, we will hear the views of three forced labor experts involved with the ILO and the European Commission's project on how Namibia is leading the way when it comes to tackling labor abuses and environmental degradation in fishing. Our experts will share their top tips for businesses in the fishing sector and beyond, including recommendations for guides, tools, and other useful resources. First, we will hear from Oliver Mangu Namwa, who is the ILO's National Project Coordinator in Namibia. Oliver is a fisheries biologist who has been working on the ILO and European Commission's project for more than two years. Oliver will tell us what forced labor in Namibian waters looks like, how to spot it, and how it is linked to environmental degradation. Oliver will also set out what support is available for Namibian businesses. Then we will hear from Ane Mujinima, who is the Director for Labour Services at the Government of Namibia. Aune and her team inspect vessels in Namibian waters for forced labour and other abuses, also working very closely with businesses to prevent and address forced labour more generally. Aune will describe the role of labour inspectorates and other government departments in tackling labour abuses and environmental degradation in fishing. And she will also give us tips on how to make inspections cost-effective and efficient. She will share useful materials and contacts for the private sector. 
To round off, we will hear from Alison Potter at the ILO's 8.7 Accelerator Lab, which works to speed up and improve action to meet sustainable development target 8.7, which aims to end forced labor by 2030 and child labor by 2025. Alison will explain why Namibia is a trailblazer from an international perspective and give an overview of what other leading countries are doing to tackle labor abuses in fishing and why it's important for businesses and those who work with them to take note. We will, of course, share the links to all the resources mentioned in this podcast episode on our website, flbusiness.network. Let's get started and hear from Oliver. Oliver, thank you so much for being here with us today and for setting the scene when it comes to um, forced labor in the fisheries sector in Namibia. So we've got quite a few questions um, for you. And the first one is, could you tell us a little bit about what forced labor in Namibia's waters looks like? Thank you very much uh, for having me on this platform. I'm excited to share the insights of the forced labor situation in Namibian waters. Um, to begin with, I'll indicate that uh, currently we do not see so much of these issues uh, in the Namibian waters. However, this uh, has been observed in some few of uh, foreign vessels that do come to our waters in Namibia. And the common indicators uh, that are, are picked up in some of those vessels includes the orientation of uh, identity documents. That these are including the travel documents and slightly part of the abusive working and living conditions and also with holding of wages. These are sort of the indicators that are mostly recorded on these particular vessels that uh, do call in some parts of Namibia. Thanks, Oliver. That's really interesting. For those listeners who have listened to some of our previous episodes, we actually did a full episode on the ILO's forced labor indicators, which you can use to spot situations of forced labor. And Oliver has just referred to some of the really most useful indicators that can be seen in the in Namibia's waters. Can I ask Oliver, what are the links be between forced labor in the fisheries sector and environmental degradation, if, if any? I think worldwide, uh, you will realize that wherever there is uh, some few um, uh, issues of uh, forced labor uh, or uh, illegal, unregulated, uh, unmonitored uh, fishing, um, issues of forced labor also do come, come in place, um, uh, which also links to environmental degradation. And this uh, happens uh, whenever uh, people are not following the, the local or international laws uh, when it comes to operations at, at sea. And this we have observed in Namibian uh, waters uh, sometime last year where some vessels were detected uh, the year before last year in 2021 where two vessels were detained in the Namibian waters, and this was uh, on suspicion of uh, dumping uh, and violating the Marine Resource Act of Namibia. And these uh, vessels were chartered and were operated by foreigners. And, and this um, uh, resulted in the detention of these vessels um, after they were caught uh, dumping uh, the, the, the fish. Uh, and and when upon upon inspection of this vessel and with the capacities that uh, the project that we we have been implementing in Namibia, uh, giving capacity to the um, labor inspectors and being able to be certified to board the vessels upon 
the request of labor inspectors to board this vessel, they were able to see um, some conditions that were unbearable on the on the vessels. And these vessels were then detained uh, because it was flagged to have some indicators in terms of uh, in terms of forced labor. So that's how um, this situation happens. And I think worldwide, uh, that's how we that, uh, it's linked to environmental abuses and, and, and labor abuses. That's really interesting. Thank you, Oliver. And why why should businesses be concerned, in, in your view, about situations like the one you mentioned, where these two vessels were intercepted, where there were suspected labor and environmental abuses? The businesses are, uh, have to be concerned about this. And uh, this, uh, these uh, two vessels that were detained, I think the Confederation of the Namibian Fishing Association came out strongly to indicate that governments should strengthen their policies and, and patrols uh, along the coastal line of Namibia because it dents their, their, um, their um, businesses. Um, and this uh, also is linked to um, companies having uh, enabling enabling uh, responsible business conduct, having business uh, good business conduct in the fishery sector. So um, this has has a huge detrimental uh, impact on on the businesses, regardless of the size. Um, and also um, in terms of Namibia, with most of the products uh, being exported to the EU. Namibian companies in the fisheries and seafood sector need to comply with international environmental and social standards, which are enforced throughout the supply chain uh, of the primary exporters. Uh, as consumers of fish and seafood products increase in demand, uh, product transparency and environmental sustainability and social responsibilities, uh, companies and organizations um, are currently establishing uh, international partnership to improve supply chains uh, through voluntary uh, certification according to environmental and social standards. Mm -hmm. uh, so Namibia is, is, is also doing that. And uh, hence, if any of these are flagged, um, the, the businesses are very much concerned about the situations. Thank you. Yeah, that's very clear. Thank you very much. Um, you, you mentioned the, the ILO and European Commission um, project in Namibia. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? How, how do you think that project has helped to prevent forced labor? At the beginning of the inception of the project, um, the stakeholders were called uh, in terms of um, sensitization on strategic compliance planning when it comes to enforcement of the laws um, and also in terms of the implementation of Convention C-188, which they were also sensitized on. And Sorry, convention, were... convention C-188 is the Convention on Fisheries? Yes, Convention uh, number... Uh, of 2007, number 188 is working the fishing convention. Thank you. Excellent. So, mm -hmm. yes. So these, uh, they were all inducted on it. And then some of the gaps were then identified where we realized uh, during the implementation of the project that some of the, um, the labor inspectors couldn't go on board fishing vessels because of some certain certifications that they were not trained on. And okay. we immediately addressed this issue. We then um, uh, funded the, their training at um, Namibia Fisheries Institute, uh, where they got certified uh, to board fishing vessels. So currently, um, starting in 2022, they have also started uh, doing uh, inspections on board fishing vessels. 
And as we speak, they are currently busy doing the joint inspection with maritime affairs, fisheries in the port of Lodares in Namibia. So this is how proactive the uh, line ministries have started um, you know, responding to some of the few flags that have been uh, picked up in the, in the past. So this project really has uh, empowered um, the stakeholders when it comes to post labor. And um, not only that, we also had an opportunity to send off three of the participants from the uh, three line ministries, so that's Minister of Fisheries, Minister of Labor, uh, Minister of uh, uh, Works and Transport, uh, the Directorate of Maritime Affairs to participate in one of the workshops that was arranged in conjunction with Accelerator Lab uh, 8.7 in, in Deben, South Africa. That was a training in terms of detecting forced labor on board fishing vessels. So at least we have also imparted that knowledge. We have capacitated them on in that regard. So I would say those were some of the success of the uh, of the project in empowering the, the the stakeholders or the competent authorities in the fishery sector. Yeah, that sounds really really efficient to bring together the labor inspectant inspectorate with with other government departments that focus more on the on the environment. I'm I'm pleased that it's been so successful. Thinking a bit more about businesses in general and forced labor. What support is available to Namibian businesses on forced labor eradication? And what, what would you recommend to business listeners? Uh, in terms of business listeners, I would recommend that they acquaint themselves in terms of the local uh, legislation that we have, the legal frameworks that we have. That is the Labor Act of 2012. Um, that uh, that the Ministry of Labor is implementing, and it has uh, more clear guidelines when it comes to what businesses are supposed to do, and also the 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 convention on on, on work in the fishing sector, which is Convention uh, 188, which was ratified by Namibia, uh, because it clearly steps the responsibilities of businesses and the responsibilities of um, employers in terms of what they should do. Uh, and also helps in outlining uh, um, um, global decent work conditions that are a minimum when it comes to uh, workers on, 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 on board fishing vessels. So I would encourage them to, to acquaint themselves with these uh, materials. And not only that, we as a, as a project, we also uh, uh, developed a toolkit where we, um, we, we have highlighted uh, some of the critical uh, uh, instrument tools uh, and guidelines uh, on freedom of uh, associations and right at work, and also relevant international labor standards and inspection on board fishing vessels, and also responsible business conduct in general. So these documents are readily available, and this tool can be used by anyone in the in the sector. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and I think there is 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 there a standardized labor employment contract? That is being developed for fishers. Yes, exactly. We we developing we developed in terms of the standardized contract. We 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 had a stakeholder engagement at the beginning of the project, and this was one of the key highlights of the uh, input from the stakeholders, especially the uh, union representatives, uh, the the employees representatives, who actually uh, really encouraged us to go ahead in terms of uh, coming up with a standardized contracts for fishers uh, in Namibia. And this has been uh, developed uh, in, uh, based on the Convention uh, 188 and also the Namibian labor laws. 
And this contract has been uh, validated by the stakeholders. It has been now submitted to the Ministry of Labor, Industrial Relations and Employment Creation uh, for gazetting. And very soon, this, uh, this standardized contract would be gazetted. And once this is gazetted, um, labor inspectors will use this model when they go for their inspections to ensure that all contracts that are for fishers uh, do conform to what has been gazetted. And that standard employment contract will be available online in early 2024. And we will, of course, share the link in our show notes when it has become available. And the wonderful thing is that businesses can just download the contract and use it immediately. Oliver, are there any other useful guides out there for businesses and their partners, such as, for example, labor inspectors, that you would recommend? We also managed to develop a Namibian field guide on labor inspection on board fishing vessel. Uh, this guide is also available online. Uh, this uh, guide also indicates as to how inspectors can approach the inspections as they go in the field. So this uh, we developed in, in collaboration with the, with, with the inspectors um, in terms of how they do the inspection so that it can help them uh, when they do their inspections. And, and this outlines the whole process in terms of how you do your pre-meetings, how you do your inspections how you, you, you isolate and, and, and interview the, uh, the fishers on board fishing vessels, not sitting in the presence of the, uh, of the vessel captains and, 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 and the senior on, on board fishing vessels. So this is a, a critical tool that we have actually also managed to, to come up with. And it also has the flags in terms of forced labor. Um, there are certain indicators that are mentioned in that, in that guide. We also came up with the leaflets um, uh, in terms of uh, basic employment conditions uh, on, uh, for decent work at sea and how to stay safe while working on board fishing vessels. Uh, we also worked uh, with the Minister of Labor to improve their social media platforms um, in, in terms of uh, designing uh, social media campaigns for, for labor inspections. So these are some of the items that we have managed to, to, to develop. there are three fundamental takeaways from Oliver. Firstly, the most common signs of forced labor in Namibian waters are one, retention of ID documents, two, abusive working and living conditions, and three, withholding of wages. Secondly, the ratification by Namibia of the ILO's Work and Fishing Convention, which came into force in 2017, has been really valuable when it comes to addressing forced labor in fishing and also more generally driving decent work and responsible business conduct in the sector. Actually, Namibia was one of the first countries to ratify the convention. Finally, the importance of linking up and coordinating environmental and labor inspections of fishing vessels cannot be underestimated. It is absolutely crucial when tackling labor abuses and environmental degradation at the same time. Let's hear now from Oni Mujinima, the Director for Labor Services at the Namibian government, to find out how Namibia has made this happen. I am Aune Mujanima. Um, I'm, I'm a director spearheading the Directorate of Labor Services in the Ministry of Labor, Industrial Relations and Employment Creation. The Directorate is responsible for ensuring adherence to the provision of the Labor Act, Act 11 of 2007, and all other labor legislation by promoting awareness and enforcing compliance 
with uh, the basic condition of employment, healthy, safety, and welfare of employees at workplace. We, we are really then responsible to, for routine inspections and just making sure that we, the law, which is the legis labor registration, is complied to by the, everyone, which is the employer or employer in any economic sector in Namibia and in this juncture in the fishery sector. So obviously the labor inspectorate plays a big role in identifying labor abuses. But thinking a little bit about forced labor, how do you identify and address forced labor in the Namibian seas? Uh, you know, one of our main functions as labor inspector is to conduct labor inspection, which could either be planned routine workplace inspection, which are conducted yearly per economic sector. So as a fishery sector, or investigatory inspection that could result from a complaint, a labor complaint, or a tip of, of any alleged activity or situation that are going against the labor legislation. So this inspection are comprises of examinations of required documentations in the view of both employers and employees at workplace. And that will then enable you to detect some of the forced labor element or other labor abuse if there is any. Um, and, and you you know, discussing with these people that are experiencing the first hand, you know, will then put you in the situation to have a better understanding of what goes on at workplace. And in this situation, it's on board vessels, if we are speaking of fishery. So the process then enable inspectors, labor inspector, to pick up the element of forced labor or labor abuse, if any. And uh, national labor legislation has really stipulations, measures to be taken accordingly. Hence the, hence the impose of such on a respective employer. If a degree of offense depict, the law has also provided for the labor inspector to issue an order of closure of such business activity until such remedial corrections are employed, of which the labor inspector should be satisfied with the remedial action that has been taken. So in a nutshell, in accordance with the definition of forced labor or child labor per se, or forced or, or, or labor abuse, we, we, we have not really then recorded in Namibia C as all employer inspected records shows that they are above the age of 18, those employees. And uh, most of them, if not all, have signed contract of employment. And most of them, if not all, are members of trade union operating in the fishing sector. Our also law, which is the Labor Act, does not reduce uh, yet the contract of employment to writing. And that's why we can also be able to do inspection in informal informal economy or informal operation because uh, even a, a gentleman agreement, as long as it's of employment, we will consider it as, as a contract of employment. So the ministry also work hand in hand with other authorities that are having the mandate and responsible for enforcing their respective law 
as per their mandate in the fishery in the fishery sector. Some of them is the Ministry of Fishery and Marine Resource. The other is the Ministry of Work and Transport, the specifically the Directorate of Maritime. So we worked together, and last year and this year we did a joint inspection of the three authorities in the fishery sectors going on board vessels to do the inspection, a surprise inspection. And uh, it, 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 it really has brought us a better understanding of, 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 of understanding issues pertaining to labor relations in the vessels. In 2022, the alarm of possible, there was an alarm of possible forced labor in, in, in two of the vessels caught by the fishery officials that was reported. And different Nam Namibian authorities joined force to carry out an extensive investigation, which proved otherwise. And uh, as employees themselves also even indicated in their affidavit that they have, they have freely signed their long period of, of, of contract and has been working with those respective employers for more than even two to three years. So really, I, I could say for us to detect and identify it's doing the inspection, be it routine, uh, investigatory or prompted, and also making sure that we made sure that our inspectors are trained to be able to go into the vessels and do the inspection and has an opportunity to speak to the fishermen themselves. So, and our laws have made provision for for punitive measures of, of, of what should be taken when an employer is found wanting. That is a great overview of how the Namibian Labour Inspectorate operates. Now, previously, Labour Inspectors could not go on board fishing vessels. How has this changed in the past few years? It's required that everybody that board vessels must be trained and certified in the safety, basic safety at sea. So ILO then uh, in 2021 have made sure that our staff members, which are labor inspectors, are capacitated, trained and certified to board vessels. When the vessel is arriving, they already find us at the port and we don't allow anybody to go out until we are done with the inspection. But what the government of Namibia have done is that every vessel that leaves the port, leaves the port with the fishery observer. Now, this fishery observer, a government employee that observe the species and the types and all the activity that happen at sea. So those are the people that were also capacitated in these processes. We also come together so that we understand each other's uh, uh, functions for them to be able to, while they are on shore with the vessels at sea, they can be able to pick up this issue related to labor, related to maritime, and then be able to report back. So it is not that government is not in the vessels, they are there. We just needed to come together as authority to make sure that we can then coordinate and work together and be able to make sure that we address things rapidly. Yeah, and it wrong. sounds like you're leveraging resources very well. It sounds like a huge, a huge leap forward. How is the Labour Inspectorate working with businesses in the fishing industry more widely? You know, 
our mandate, it's the provision of education and awareness. Not only enforcing and inspection, when you enforce is when you inspect and when you educate. Now, our mandate also is to educate and bring about awareness to the employer, which is the business owners, the captain of the industry, that is what they call them in the fishery sector, and, and employee, hence has a good understanding of the importance of, of this function. So what we do to work together with our businesses is do business forum. It's, we do our stakeholders consultation. We do awareness sessions. We do feedback sessions that are building even in each and every inspection that an inspector has to do. There should be an education session at the end of the inspection, bringing first having the discussion with the employer and the worker and educate them, and at the end bring them together to have a feedback session before uh, notifying them that I'll give you a compliance order or I will then have to compound your vessels or I have to do that. So that is how we keep conduct of our. Uh, with our businesses uh, is do uh, consultations, do awareness and engagement. Others, we also plan advocacy through different uh, media platforms using different modes of communications so that we reach the great number of our business community. And uh, this intervention really enabled us to improve compliance and bring about understanding of both employers and employees' rights and responsibility, as well as obligations, uh, and works together to make sure that uh, we we build uh, our relationship toward decent work and operating within the parameters of the applicable laws. So I, in a nutshell, that is how we we work together with our businesses. What should companies in the fishing sector do if they suspect forced labor in their operations, supply chain or beyond? Procedurally, cases of uh, either forced labor or labor abuse are to be reported to our ministry's offices. We have uh, offices at all possible town within Namibia, regional offices. You can also, in those two uh, harbor towns, report to either... DMA, which is the, uh, the, the, the Directorate of Maritime Affairs, which is the directorate in the Ministry of Works and Transport. A business person can also tip of fishery uh, employees and staff members, or even the fishery observer that is in each vessel. So when the information reaches these people, will be able to come to us. At the same time, what I should also mention is that we work as a joint uh, interministerial in Namibia. So we work together on uh, with, with the police as well, the Namibian police, which is the Ministry of Home Affairs, especially in issues if there is uh, an alarm of forced labor, we bring in uh, the police, we bring in the Ministry of Home Affairs, which deals with also the safety homes and so forth. We bring in immigrations so that we can do an extensive, we also bring in judiciary so that we do an extensive investigation and be able to determine that it is true, is a forced labor, 
or is it just an alarm? So that is what they really can do. They can consult any of the government uh, office. Then they will they, they they will be able to get to us. Can I ask? So you, I mean, you you have a lot of coordination already with other departments, such as the police, and now you also have this new coordination with the fisheries and maritime departments. Have you seen a drastic increase in the number of cases reported to the labor inspectorate? I could say in this in when in these two years, no and yes. People now understand that they need to report issues so that they are inspected to determine whether they are correct or not. But I should really say they also not has been many anymore because people also understand. Sometimes we complain out of uh, ignorance. Sometimes issues are happening in the vessel out of ignorance. I could really say this year, we, the last week of November, I was in Rudolt doing uh, with my team and uh, the Ministry of Works Maritime Team and Fishery doing the joint inspection in Rudolt. Last week, my team concluded in Walvis Bay. We have observed a tremendous uh, improvement even in the relationship, because the other year, people were scared somewhere, annoyed somewhere, angry. They feel you are against them. But our explanations, and now they also understand. It is even the employers themselves that are saying, now, okay, now what do I need to do to make sure that this is addressed? So that shows you that there is a great improvement. So the complaints are not as many as before, but also some are tip off because people understand what needs to be done. So from what you're saying, it sounds like both the visibility and the credibility of the Labour Inspectorate has increased in the past few years. And also businesses and workers have a better understanding of labour issues so that there hasn't been an drastic increase in the number of complaints, but the complaints you are getting are more likely to indicate real issues Indeed. for the past Indeed. few years. It's pride me to see a government coming out to make sure that we address issues of element of forced labour. Oni has given us a great overview of how the government of Namibia is improving employment conditions on board vessels, while at the same time ensuring environmental sustainability. A prerequisite for this is to make sure that labor inspectors are legally able to board and inspect vessels, but they must also be trained to carry out labor inspections on board. Secondly, other relevant inspectors, for example from government maritime or fisheries departments, need to be trained in spotting the signs of forced labor and know to report these to the Labour Inspectorate. Another important message for Moni is that having close productive ties with businesses makes a real difference when it comes to the impact of a Labour Inspectorate. Where businesses have a better understanding of responsible business conduct, they are much more likely to adopt it, according to Oni. Let's hear now from the ILO's Alison Potter, who will give us an international perspective on what works when it comes to tackling labour abuses such as forced labour and environmental degradation in fishing. Thank you for having me. So I am a technical officer on a relatively new project called the 8.7 Accelerator Lab. Most of my technical work is focused on the fishing sector. We have three target countries, 
Indonesia, Ghana, and South Africa, but we also work at the regional level with regional fishery bodies and regional fisheries management organizations, and at the global level as well, really trying to make sure that labor rights are embedded in the wider ocean protection agenda, because we have a lot of talk, a lot of conferences, a lot of resources piled into uh, protecting the fish and the ocean more broadly. Um, but the conversation on labor rights and the interconnectedness is, is usually missing. So that's that's our strategy. And that's mainly what I do. Alison, you, you've been working quite closely with Namibia. Why do you think Namibia's experience is relevant to other countries? So Namibia's experience is super, super relevant and very crucial at the global level because this whole idea of dealing with forced labor and fishing is actually relatively new. So we absolutely need countries like Namibia and South Africa, who were the first countries to ratify the Working Fishing Convention, to kind of lead the way for the rest of the world on this topic. Um, as I said earlier, the you know the ocean protection agenda is only just starting to um, address or integrate the very much interconnected issue of labor rights and IU fishing, illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing. Um, even though Namibia and South Africa ratified the Working Fishing Convention very early on when it was launched in 2007 uh, we still only have 21 countries that have ratified thus far uh, so even in that regard it's very very new the cape town agreement is another international convention um implemented by the international maritime organization that looks at safety on board fishing vessels so very linked to the working fishing convention um and they have only just reached the minimum number of ratifications for it to enter into force, but they still haven't quite reached the number of vessels that it would be applicable to for it to enter into force. So you can see just looking at international law, how this is quite a new topic and it's not yet, um, we haven't quite figured out how to make it work. So we need Namibia, South Africa and other countries as well, Indonesia, Ghana, to really uh, enter into these like uncharted waters to try and figure out how to implement uh, international labor standards in fishing, which is incredibly difficult given the transnational nature of the sector, the isolation of the sector. Um, yeah, so we definitely need Namibia uh, to lead the way on that. Um, Another example of how it's very, very new is uh, we're starting to see how regional fishery bodies and regional fisheries management organizations are only just starting as well to integrate labor rights into their agendas and mandates. Um, to take one example, we have the Fisheries Committee for the Western Central Gulf of Guinea. Uh, it incorporates six West African countries um, and it's main purpose is to manage fish stocks in the region, um, given that fish migrate. Uh, it's not something that one country can control on its own. So neighboring countries need to work together to protect fish stocks, to protect food security for their people, for their blue economy, etc. cetera. Uh, this organization just signed, or last year signed, um, a memorandum of understanding with the ILO. Uh, to figure out how they can embed labor rights into their programming. And 
they're working currently on a protocol on decent work in fishing uh, that's hopefully going to lead to these networks, these organizations with all the resources to kind of help out the labor inspectors that are much less funded. Uh, they have a real problem with human resources um, to kind of share the, the inspection mandate. So these fisheries inspectors that would go on board, check the fish stocks, they would know what decent work means, what forced labor looks like, and then they would reach out or refer serious cases to the labor inspectors. So we're only just starting to see how labor rights is becoming a topic of concern for the global ocean protection agenda. And as I said, that means that Namibia is absolutely crucial in leading the way so that other countries can learn from that experience. As more and more countries become interested in the topic, more and more donors are interested in the topic. Um, so yeah, we definitely need Namibia. That sounds fantastic. And it sounds like Namibia is really picking up the pace. Looking at Namibia's experience and that of other countries leading the way, what are mm -hmm. your top tips for countries wishing to catch up? Uh, so top tip number one would definitely be to increase the capacity of inspectors. And when I say inspectors, I don't just mean labor inspectors. As in many countries, the labor inspectorate is actually not really involved in the fishing sector, uh, partly because it's such a specialized industry, but also partly because of port access issues. Um, so when I say inspectors, I mean labor inspectors, maritime inspectors, as well as fisheries inspectors uh, that look at fish stocks. Um, and make sure that all of these three groups of inspectors uh, know what forced labor looks like, know what the labor law is in that country, know what their capacity is, um, for example, to go on board foreign fishing vessels in their port to do labor inspect in inspections. Um, so making sure that all of these groups of inspectors know what to look for, know what to do when they find it, know who to refer to. And then when it comes to the referrals, you need to also have a coordination mechanism between those three groups so that the resources that are already very limited, given in some countries like Namibia, uh, the high number of vessels that come into port, uh, making sure that they can coordinate between each other to keep an eye on what's going on in fishing vessels. So you have a fisheries inspector that goes on board a vessel to look at fish stocks, but they notice that the working and living conditions on board are dire. They know who to call from the labor inspection team uh, to go on board and do a more thorough labor inspection. Top tip number two would be to have a standardized work agreement for fishers. And in this regard Namibia is absolutely in the lead um, and this is something that we're sharing in the target countries where we work. Um, it really raises the bar when it comes to working conditions. Uh, it makes it easier for business, it kind of makes it inex inexcusable for employers to not have the basic requirements included in their contracts for the fishers that they employ. The standardized work agreement in Namibia will be available from early 2024 so if any other uh, businesses or Governments are listening to this and they want to, you know, follow the lead of Namibia. They can reach out and access the, the standardized work agreement, see what it looks like, edit it according to their national law and start distribution. Sounds really good. Just to summarize. So yeah. the top tips for other countries are uh, one, sufficient inspector capacity. Two, mm -hmm. coordination between the different types of inspectors that work in fisheries. And three, a standardized employment contract for fishers. 
So that is kind of what works for everybody. Now, just thinking again specifically about Namibia, what makes Namibia's approach to forced labor eradication in fishing unique? What are they doing that nobody else is doing? Namibia is actually the first country to attempt to prosecute a case of forced labor on a foreign-owned fishing vessel. Um, Now, the vessel in question was previously foreign flagged, but actually switched to Namibia's flag when the law changed so that it could keep operating in Namibian waters, but it is still a foreign-owned vessel, and the captain was not of Namibian origin. Um, The detention itself sends a very strong message in the sector because, you know, it is the first case. In Thailand, we've had prosecutions of false labor cases in fishing, but of vessels owned and flagged to Thailand. Uh, countries like South Africa have detained vessels under the ILO Working Fishing Convention, um, and these vessels had indicators of forced labor on board. Uh, but in the South Africa case, they chose to go down the mediation route um, and resolved several complaints uh, by you know, calling up the shipping agent, uh, giving them instructions for what they needed to improve or rectify before the vessel could sail again, uh, which included the payment of fishers uh, that hadn't received wages for a number of months, which included repatriation for fishers that wanted to return, that included uh, the payment of hospital fees for one fisher that had an injury. Um, So things like that. But Namibia is really the only one that has taken this bold step to try and prosecute through a criminal court, uh, a forced labor case on board a vessel involving a foreign national um, captain. Now, because it's one of the first attempts, obviously we didn't expect it to go so smoothly. They're finding a lot of challenges, uh, not least of all getting the fishers to stay in Namibia, to participate in the trial, when really in these situations, most fishers that haven't received wages for a very long time, that have been working insane hours for a very long time, you know, they just want to be paid and go home. Uh, so the the authorities are finding it difficult to get an actual prosecution out of this case. Uh, but it still, regardless, sends a very strong message that violations, forced labor in the uh, fishing sector is no longer impossible to deal with. It's no longer a secret and it's no longer tolerated. So Namibia is really in the lead on this and all eyes are on Namibia to see how it goes. And all eyes are on Namibia, not just to see, you know, whether it succeeds or fails, but to see how other countries can learn from the experience and then improve on that so that hopefully at some point we can actually get a a prosecution. So once again, Namibia is being a a pioneer. Um, Exactly. Thinking just specifically about our business listeners, what can businesses take away from Namibia's approach to tackling forced labor in fishing, in your view? This is operating either in Namibia or buying from the produce of other businesses operating in Namibia can sort of get two almost paradoxical messages from this case. Um, The first being more negative there are severe labor abuses to be found in this sector. And when you start to look, when you increase inspections, when you increase the capacity of inspectors, the more you find. Um, So if you buy from Namibia or your company operates in Namibia or other similar countries, um, 
you know, you really might have, uh, there's a high risk of, of forced labor or other labor abuse in your supply chains. And you need to start investigating that, um, especially given today's context of, you know, the rise of due diligence legislation and forced labor bans in countries like the US and soon the EU trade agreements being conditional on the eradication of forced labor. Um, so you really need to take it very seriously. But on the other hand, it's not all doom and gloom. It's also a positive case in that businesses operating in countries like Namibia can see that there are authorities that are taking this issue seriously. You know, many businesses feel that there's an unfair pressure to ensure human rights or respect for human rights in supply chains when they're only a piece of the puzzle. And you really need the cooperation, the coordination with governments and in countries like Namibia. And as I've mentioned as well, where we work, South Africa, Ghana, Indonesia, um, you can really rely on these governments to work with you on this, to, to turn things around. So it's not going to be fixed overnight, but progress will continue. And hopefully we can find a way to encourage businesses to look more closely at the sector, be more transparent um, without being too afraid that, you know, they're going to have issues with supply chains, due diligence, that kind of thing. Alison, thank you so much for all the information you've shared with us today um, and all your expertise and experience. As a final question, are there any tools or guides that you would recommend for businesses in the fishing sector? Uh, yes, absolutely. So we are about to publish, and hopefully it will be out by the time this podcast is launched, uh, a new handbook on the detection of forced labor at sea. It's going to be called Towards Freedom at Sea, and it has a long list of tools, mainly for labor inspectors, but also for businesses wanting to look at the issue of forced labor in supply chains. Um, we've also published on the Accelerator Lab website um, a mapping of digital technology tools, um, some of which are specifically focused on transparency and supply chains that are all focusing on the topic of forced labor in fishing. Alison has left us with the uplifting message that today forced labor in fishing can and is being tackled. Countries like Namibia are paving the way and others are following their lead. Labor abuses and environmental degradation can be addressed successfully and at the same time. On that note, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our interviewees, Oliver, Oni and Alison, for their time and expertise, and also, of course, to our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to visit flbusiness.network to access the links to all the resources mentioned in this podcast episode. Our next podcast episode will look at how the Malaysian rubber industry is making strides in addressing and preventing forced labor. See you then. This is a podcast from the International Labor Organization's Global Business Network on Forced Labor. Visit our website on flbusiness.network for more information and look out for our next episode. <laughs>